0: The idea that became Habitat for Humanity first grew from the fertile soil of a community farm outside of America's Georgia in the early 70s. On that farm, Habitat's eventual founders, Millard and Linda Fuller, developed the concept they defined as partnership housing. The concept centered on those in need of adequate shelter working side-by-side with volunteers to build decent, affordable homes. These homes would be built at no profit. New homeowners' home payments would be combined with no-interest loans provided by supporters and money earned by fundraising to create the Fund for Humanity, which would then be used to build more homes. Bo and Emma were the owners of the first home built by using this housing partnership program. They had five children. They were able to move into a new concrete block home with a modern kitchen, indoor bathroom, and heating systems replacing the unpainted, uninsulated, dilapidated home that they had come from, where there was no plumbing. In 1973, the Fullers decided to take the Fund for Humanity concept to Zaire, now the Democratic Republic of Congo. After three years of hard work to launch a successful home-building program there, the Fullers then returned to the United States and called together a group of supporters to discuss the future of their dream. This was the formal inception of Habitat for Humanity International, founded in 1976. Now, the times have changed, the build site locations have grown by large numbers, but the very real change that Bo and Emma's family experienced is shared by families today who partner with Habitat for Humanity to build or improve a place they can call home. And this is thanks in no small part to the personal involvement of U.S. President Jimmy Carter and his wife Rosalind and the awareness that they have raised. Habitat now works in all 50 states in the U.S. and more than 70 countries and has helped more than 39 million people achieve strength, stability, and independence through safe, decent, and affordable housing. Today, I welcome our very special guest, Melissa Sanko, the CEO of Habitat for Humanity of Waukesha. Welcome to the Building Sustainably podcast, Melissa.
1: Thanks for having me, Tim. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: We're so excited to have you here to share the message of Habitat, and especially as it relates locally to us here in, in Waukesha. Can you give us just kind of an overview of, of the mission and your role within the organization and how you got involved?
1: Yeah, our affiliate was founded in 1989, a similar way of a group of committed volunteers. And over those just over 30 years, we've built uh, 43 homes in the city of Waukesha or within the Waukesha County. Uh, we'll be closing on our 44th and 45th house here in the next month or so. Um, and we are, we're, you know, volunteers are the lifeblood of our organization and, you know, bring people together to do awesome things in our community.
0: What are some of the challenges you see in, in working uh, with affordable housing in the Waukesha County area?
1: Yeah, there you, you know very well, Tim, it's difficult to be in construction right now with the cost of materials and supply chain issues. Um, but being in Waukesha County, we have a unique challenge that some affiliates across the country don't with just affordability of land and access to land. So, we do find ourselves paying fair market rate for p- property, uh, which makes it difficult for us to make the numbers work. Um, so we do rely on the generosity of so many people so that our projects can come together. Um, but the need for affordable housing in Waukesha County is just absolutely through the roof uh, and tremendous. And so it, it's difficult to with a with being a, a small developer. Um, And a newly developer for a long time, we were just doing, you know, a couple homes a year, uh, but we're we're in growth mode at the time. So um, it's a difficult time to be in construction, but we're absolutely committed to affordable housing.
0: And Waukesha County is one of the larger counties in the state of Wisconsin, one of the largest here in southeastern Wisconsin. And we have a lot of manufacturing uh, in the area, and there's a tremendous amount of need for uh, employment. In these in these manufacturing facilities, and they have people coming from all long ways away, other parts of the state, other other counties that are far away. You know, maybe an hour, forty five minutes of driving time, because they can't find any housing here. So this is such a an important topic for us to to address uh, as a region, as a county, and um, you know, one of the core principles is is really advocating for affordable housing. Uh, and, and I know that, um, you know, a lot of the leadership here in Waukesha County, you know, they speak about affordable housing um, and everybody would want it. But, you know, how does how are you able to to advocate for it? What are some of the ways that you and your group and Habitat, Melissa, can advocate for affordable housing here in Waukesha County and southeastern Wisconsin in general?
1: Yeah, advocacy is something we've we've definitely gotten involved in. And fortunately for us, the city of Waukesha is especially supportive of affordable housing and what we do. You know, like you said, Tim, they they recognize that there are lots of companies with talent problems. They don't have enough people to fill the open positions and when folks have to drive and have reliable transportation. Forty-five minutes an hour, mm. you now that's a lot of stress for a family. And if you can live and work within, you know, fifteen minutes of one another, you just have a much more stable environment. Uh, so, fortunately, the city of Waukesha has been very supportive. So we don't have to do a tremendous amount of advocacy there. But really, what we're finding is we need to advocate for more government resources for our county because. We we rely on the subsidy of government dollars to invest in our community, so that we can pay fair market value for for property, so that we can endure those higher costs for subcontractors. We can't. There's no way we can get everything donated. Um, People, businesses. We rely mostly on local contractors. Within Waukesha County, and they give us, you know, good discounts. But everybody needs to pay their payroll, so we absolutely need public support to make our mission work here in Waukesha County. So So we've been.
0: Does that come from the state, or is that a federal level, or is it both?
1: um, It comes from the federal because um, we have entitlement community in the city of Waukesha. And then Waukesha County gets um, HUD dollars that they're able to distribute, and there's there's just not much competition for what we do. You know, we really are the only affordable housing developer for for ownership in mm-hmm. the county. So there are dollars available, um, and we we would love to do more so that we can serve more families because. You know, right now, even as as great as this new project is, we're doing, we're still only, you know, a drop in the bucket, really, for the need of affordable housing.
0: Mm-hmm. And we're going to talk about that new project in a bit. But there are families even here locally in, in need of decent shelter, decent housing due to a variety of circumstances, you know, unpredictable rent increases. My gosh, we're seeing a lot of that right now. Um, overcrowded living conditions just because, again, based on affordability, people getting more Uh, families living together, damaged or dilapidated structures, unsafe neighborhoods, lack of access. to I mean, there's just all of this stuff. How could families or how do families get selected, uh, Melissa, to participate in in the Habitat program?
1: Yeah, I can think of a family in each of those situations you're telling you just listed in our waiting list right now. Um, It's it, it really affordable housing and it just runs the gamut of why people come to our program. They're in just different situations um, and they all have needs for different reasons. Um, so families need, you know, really four things. They need a steady job that, they, you know, they've been to at a, a while. They need to qualify based on their income. So for us, we don't want to serve the person that can just walk across the street and apply for a loan. And qualify. We want to catch the people who really need a hand up and not a hand out. So they have a steady job. They earn between for a family of four, they earn between twenty five thousand and seventy thousand dollars a year. So those folks wouldn't qualify for a traditional loan. But the people we're seeing, you know, they've lived and they've paid rent of twelve hundred dollars, thirteen hundred dollars for a two bedroom apartment for eleven years. You know, paying somebody else, padding their pockets and not building any equity for themselves. So they have to qualify for income. They have to make enough to own the home and pay a mortgage, but not so much where they could qualify in a traditional manner. They have to have decent credit. They don't have to have perfect credit. We really, because it takes about a year for them, you know, for us to build their home. We're able to work with them in that year to get their credit even better. We find a lot of people just don't have enough credit. They don't have enough credit lines because people are scared of credit. Mm-hmm. They've been told, you know, don't take out that department store card. Don't, don't go into debt. Uh, which is good in theory, but it isn't practical when you want, you know, to apply for a mortgage. You, you uh, so we help dem- people.
0: You, yeah, you can't demonstrate that you can handle credit and that you can pay for it. You, you, you mm-hmm. have to. You have to be able to build that. I have the same child. Challenge with my child, one of my children right now, who doesn't want to get a credit card because he doesn't want to have that. But I'm like, that's how you build up your credit. You prove that you can actually pay for things uh, later after you consume them now.
1: Yeah, responsible credit. And, you know, banks won't sit there with homeowners and help explain the nuances of all that. And, you know, they've got other things they need to be doing. So we're able to sit with a homeowner and say, you know, this is where you you need to be. This is where you need to be to qualify, and then this is where you need to be to actually close on your home. And then finally, they they need to be in need of affordable housing. So it has to be one of the situations you described before: overcrowding situation. You know, it's not a safe environment for their family, um, and they are. We are finding most of our families are paying well over half of their income towards rent. So it really needs. It needs to be closer to thirty percent of their income um, instead of seventy or fifty percent.
0: I love what you said, and I've heard I've heard this before a long time ago when we had worked with Habitat on the Habitat Blitz project. Um, They're looking for a hand up, not a hand out. Uh, Habitat is reaching a hand out to help people get up to where um, you know, supporting them to get them the the shelter that they need. Um, I, I love that concept and it resonates with me every time I think about, you know, the people that are qualifying. We worked side by side with our uh, person who ended up living in our home. And she was just a a wonderful person. And she uh, was willing to put in the time and the effort and um, definitely deserved of, you know, this opportunity through Habitat. So what support does Habitat provide to its homeowners before they move in? I mean, there's, You know, again, in the limited experience that we had, you know, I know there's an education. I know there's even um, education on homeownership and and taking care of a home, but even managing the financial aspects of of being a homeowner.
1: Yeah, we really help homeowners one-on-one, getting them ready for homeownership. So it's kind of a case management situation where we're helping homeowners, you know, get their credit, uh, pay down any debts that they have. establish additional credit, um, go through financial literacy classes on budgeting and things like that. You know, some of the things we take for granted as homeowners, if you didn't grow up in that kind of environment, you know, changing the filter on your furnace Mm -hmm. and just Mm -hmm. general maintenance, cleaning out your gutters and, you know, things like that. Um, the sweat equity process also helps homeowners understand some basic construction skills, which is really helpful if your kids are roughhousing and then they put a hole in the drywall, or you know you want to hang curtains and now you know how to use power drill and you know, find a stud and or where the studs are because you put up that wall. Mm-hmm. Um, so really, the program becomes very comprehensive for families because we partner together.
0: That's great. So there's a, there's a really strong education component for it. It's not just, you know, here's your house. You want to make sure that they're set up for success too, right? Cause there's obviously a, you, you talked about before the, the money that's involved to get them to this point. Um, even though it's, it's, it's reduced in terms of the total cost of, of ownership, but they still got to take it from there. You know, they've got to continue that, that path of home ownership and you want to make sure that they're set up for success. I love that. So, we talked. You mentioned this about this this new project that you have here in the city of Waukesha. In my understanding, it's one of the largest building projects in the history of Habitat for Humanity in Waukesha. What can you tell me more about this project plan for the former um, Arrow Shade facility here in the city of Waukesha? <laughs>
1: Yeah, we're proud of the work we did at the former YWCA that we partnered with you all on, as well yeah, as Dunbar the city Oaks, of Waukesha, right? Dunbar Oaks. Yeah, yeah, you know, the homes are there. They're beautiful. They're well-maintained. Um, you know, the work we've done on White Rock to revitalize or rebuild three thirteen homes on White Rock Avenue um, are all really a testament to the work that, that we can do and how well our homeowners take care of them. But really, we were looking for what's next and what's mm-hmm. what's more strategic that we can really invest in a neighborhood for a couple of years rather than trying to kind of patch things together, you know, for one year. Um, so, AeroShade is going to allow us to build 20 units. So, 16 single family homes and two duplex homes, you know, right along the bike trail um, in near Buckner Pool. Near Hadfield Elementary School, just wonderful amenities for our future families there, um, and it's it's just an exciting opportunity to activate you know, what's now a vacant piece of grass uh, to now twenty more homes are on the tax roll and families are contributing to the tax base and are you know engaged citizens in the community.
0: It's it's going to be a, it it is one of the largest pieces that you guys have ever had, and I'm excited to be a part of it and support it with you with you all. Um, and you know, one of the things that we do, obviously, we we focus on affordable, green, and energy efficient home building. Um, really, the value component of bringing energy efficiency and indoor air quality, um, indoor healthy air quality, into the into the homes. What kind of sustainable building practices is Habitat? Been able to put into place. What are what are you guys working on?
1: Yeah, we could probably take take your lead a little bit, Tim. Um, some that's definitely an area of, of green building we could we could move towards. As you can imagine, it's difficult for us to do that given the the tight budgets we have. But when I think about Habitat for Humanity and sustainability, the the main thing that comes to mind is that we still rehab existing homes. So mm-hmm. we just acquired a property on Main Street. Um, in downtown Waukesha that we're going to you know revitalize. So um, instead of taking a wrecking ball to it, we're you know we're gonna invest in that existing structure and bring put in new windows and make it energy efficient and new doors and and put um, a thriving homeowner there. We also help homeowners stay in their homes. So last fall we launched a home preservation program where we help owner occupants who own their home and are low or moderate income. Basically, the same qualifications as our home ownership program. Help we help them with critical repairs. So, folks who may have been living with a leaky roof for a long time, or have mold, or rotting windows, situations that are really quite striking. We're able to help them stay in their homes. And um, so, our homes, you know, are probably Energy Star. We don't, you know, pay to have them certified right now, but we really build quality energy tight um but um the restore also is is very sustainable so if if you haven't been to our restore it's a it's basically donated building materials furniture and appliances where we save them from the landfill and we people you know purchase them to put in their homes and then in some cases we we, we save the materials to build with them on our homes
0: where is the ReStore here? In uh, I know there's one outside of downtown Milwaukee. Is there one here in Waukesha mm-hmm. as well?
1: Yeah, right on Moreland Boulevard near the old Chancery, um, the Westbrook Shopping Center. Okay. Um, we have a ReStore there. Um, it's open Tuesday through Saturday. Uh, so it's open to the public. Sometimes people think it's you know for contractors only. That's not true. Um, it's a great place people, if you have a college student and you don't want to buy a brand new couch, um, it's great to donate (laughs) excess materials. Um, If you're looking for something in particular, or especially if you're retrofitting an old house, we've got lots of old doorknobs and vintage items and things like that.
0: I know we've brought some excess materials and I should revisit that with our team again, that things that we can't necessarily return back to the supplier, but Are still in great condition, and somebody could use them to improve their home, or 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 even you guys might be able to use it to build a home, whatever it may be. Um, There's opportunities that if you've got excess materials, don't just throw them out, don't bring them to the landfill. You know, uh, check with Habitat Restore and and see if they would be most likely willing to take some of the excess stuff that you have because it can be repurposed. Now, not only is it save you know products from going to the landfill, it provides somebody another opportunity to get a product that they've been waiting for or trying to find a more affordable option, especially in today's supply chain challenges, getting appliances are very, are very, is very difficult yeah. right now. Um, so if you have stuff, you know, please visit the the restore and bring it to them or visit the restore and see if there's any opportunities for you to, to update your home. Yeah. What are some of the sustainable building practices you would like to see Habitat do in the future? There's a lot of, um, Movement continued. Movement towards solar. Uh, obviously, we've we did that in Dunbar Oaks, um, and uh, but there's other other building practices, sustainable building practices, is habitat. You know, globally or even locally, looking at other things to enhance the home building experience for their uh, for for the your customers essentially.
1: Yeah, solar is definitely something we're looking at, especially for aeroshade, Shade, since we have such a clean slate to work off of. Um Habitat for Humanity, Wisconsin, which is one of our state support organizations, recently developed a partnership with focus on energy and the m r e a so we're hoping that the pilot program takes off and that we're able to access that for aeroshade um a ha- affiliate in Virginia did a three d printed home, oh really? I just think that's huh? a cool idea that is cool. i it mean is. um. I watched the video of how they did it. And, you know, because obviously Aeroshade's is very unique because where you can do 20 units there, but there's got to be a place for trying innovative things. Um, if partners in the community are interested in working with Habitat on something like that, um, that would be really interesting.
0: Yeah, that uh, 3D printing um, is I mean you want to talk about a, a durable home, you know, a home essentially made of, of, of concrete. Um and and beautiful. And they, they they've done some wonderful, wonderful work with the 3D printing. It's a it's a logistical, it's it's a great it's a large investment to set up, but once it's set up, if you've got a big enough community, it just goes right down the street printing home by home, different plans. Uh you won't even notice it from the outside. It doesn't look anything like other than a traditional home. Um, but such a more affordable way to do it, especially if you can get it in scale. We talked a little bit about the Habitat Restore and, you know, at least like a construction company like ourselves that have some extra materials, we can bring it there. Um, how can other local companies, especially those in the construction industry, use their resources, whether it's the time or excess material, you know, to help Habitat's cause? How, how can they get involved, Melissa?
1: I'm so glad you asked. Um, there's, there's room for everyone in the Habitat family. Um, you know, we rely, like I said, on lots of local subcontractors to help us. And a lot of times their time is significantly discounted or donated. Um, so we're always looking for, for partners. We're specifically looking for plumbing, um, to help us with that. We find ourselves, now having to do more landscaping. Typically we would leave the landscaping to our partner families, but, uh, we, we are having more requirements, uh, in order to gain occupancy to do landscaping. And that's also part of an industry that's really busy. Um, and the costs are are quite high for us. So we could use some help there. Um, architects, we, you know, we have designs, um, we're, we're finally transitioning from hand-drawn designs to CAD files. Um, but it's, it's really interesting to think about how to build a home with volunteers, simple, decent, and affordable and translate that to CAD drawing. So, you know, we are always looking to improve our design. So that's one way, um, If folks are retiring and, you know, or or maybe looking for a way to give back to the community, we have a wonderful group of folks we call our saints. So our saints are folks who come to us from all walks of life. A number of them are retired from We Energies or, um, you know, construction or trades like that. So they volunteer two or three times a week. And basically, become like our general construction crew. So I was out on the build site this morning, and there's like 15 saints buzzing around, uh, you know, putting in um, towel bars, and because we're getting, you know, getting ready to close on that home. So as we look to build more homes a year, we are going to need to recruit more saints. So it's you know a wonderful community of people where you can make your own schedule. We'll, Keep you busy when you want to work, um, but that you're willing to kind of commit on a fairly regular basis to Habitat for Humanity. You talked about donated materials. Um, I do want to mention we have a pickup service. Of course, we love items to be dropped off at our donation door, but if it's a bulk of items, we do have a truck driver and a box truck we can bring to the site, both for commercial or for residential, um, as long as the donation is big enough. Um, so those are the, those are the main things. Um, of course, financial contributions, you know, we, we got to use public support, uh, to make this possible, but Habitat for Humanity, you know, requires, uh, private philanthropy as well in order to purchase the materials we need to build homes for needy families.
0: And with 20 homes coming up here in the city of Waukesha next year, Mm -hmm. There's going to be a lot of fundraising needed and a lot of excess materials. So all you, uh, contractors and suppliers that are listening out there, uh, we'd appreciate your continued support and just, uh, you know, continue to think about Habitat and the big project, the largest project they've ever done here in Waukesha County coming up. We appreciate all your support. Um, Melissa, I want to thank you so much for being on our building sustainably podcast. Um, Melissa, CEO of uh, Habitat for Humanity in Waukesha. Um, Melissa, anything else that we may have left out that you want to you want to say before we wrap up?
1: No, thank you, Tim, for having me. Uh, you know, we welcome you. Come join the build site and you know, you'll be forever changed.
0: I know I was. Melissa, thank you again so much. Melissa Sonko, CEO of Habitat for Humanity of Waukesha County. Thanks again, Melissa.
1: Thanks, Tim.